Hello and welcome to Fintech Insider Insights. I'm David Breer, Group CEO here at 11FS. In today's episode, we're asking, what is Anne Bowden's legacy in fintech? Our fintech world has been rocked by the news that Starling Bank's founder and CEO Anne Bowden is stepping back nine years after founding the company. What happens next with Starling is something that we'll be keeping up with in our Fintech Insider news shows. But we thought it would be a good chance to reflect on Bowden's legacy to our ecosystem and financial services much more widely. A self-described five-foot-tall Welshwoman who started a challenger bank in her mid-50s, Bowdoin has been a fintech behemoth and one of the sector's most passionate and vital voices for over a decade. To give you a glimpse of what it is that drives her and a little bit of an insight into her determination, we're opening up the archives and bringing you an interview I did with Anne in April of 2020 on our 11FS breakfast show. Picture this, we're in early days of the pandemic, everybody is scared and stuck at home, and all of financial services is trying to figure out how the hell they're going to keep their customers, employees, and businesses for that matter, going. Bowden joined us to talk about how she was keeping the team together through remote working, their reactive product launches, and how they're helping vulnerable customers. It's a great chat from the 11FS back catalogue, coming to you after a few short messages. 11FS has been voted Consultancy of the Year at the British Bank Awards for a fourth time. We are super excited about bringing home the trophy, and it means more knowing that it is our clients that are the ones who voted for us. Digital financial services may only be 1% finished, but we're working with banks, fintechs, and everybody in between to chip away at the 99% still to go. And moments like this really tell us that we're on the right track. If you want to work with an award-winning team to build game-changing propositions, then let's chat. 11FS Ventures is home to industry experts across embedded finance, customer experience, digital strategy, bank building, and so much more. Kickstart your next project today and visit 11FS.com forward slash ventures. That's 11FS.com forward slash ventures. Hello and welcome, LFG people, to Fintech Insider. Watching Insider, 11FS Spotlight, 11FS Explores, Open Mic Night, After Dark. Through our podcasts, videos, newsletters, and live events, we have a direct line to a truly global fintech community. So if you're looking to sponsor and collaborate on content that connects with everybody from fintech beginners to the biggest VCs, then chat to our team at sponsors at 11FS.com or visit 11FS.com to find out more. Long live the community. Welcome to the Fintech Insider Breakfast Show, a show from the folks from 11FS bringing you the breaking news around fintech and banking landscape. Uh, as we're all going to be cooked up over the next couple of months, we thought we would try and give you guys something to start your day off just a little bit brighter. Uh, today, uh, we're definitely going to be doing that. We're thrilled to be joined by Anne Bowden, who is the founder and CEO over at Starling. Um, we're going to be talking about how Starling is supporting its most vulnerable customers during this time of crisis, and actually just a million different releases that you guys have been doing over the, over the last couple of weeks. Um, as always, we love kind of getting those questions over on LinkedIn, so feel free to sort of pop those into the chat. Um, but Anne, thank you very much for getting up early. Thank you very much for joining me. How are you doing? Good morning. What a lovely morning, and thank you for inviting me on the show. 
yeah, well, great, great to have you. For, for anybody who doesn't, I mean, they've got to be living under a rock after the, the last sort of five years of, uh, of work. But um, for anybody who doesn't know you, give, give us a, a brief history of Amboden. Well, um, I'm a computer science graduate that started in banking in the early 80s. And after a long career working for all the big banks, um, I decided um, in 2014 to quit my job to start a new bank. And uh, since then, it's been six years, and, um, and Starling has been a wonderful experience, reinventing banking. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it's gone rather well. I mean, I was at uh, the British Bank Awards the other night, and uh, I think you guys pretty much picked up every award, which, uh, so it's it's going pretty well right now, isn't it? It's going really well, and it's really, sort of, I have to thank my great team uh, for getting us to where we are today. Um, Starling's very ambitious. We're very um, technology-driven. Um, we're very customer-focused, um, and we have the chance in this crisis of pulling all that together to do something very, very different and, and creative for our customers. So let, let's sort of get into that then. Um, I mean, I should say there's loads of people kind of jumping on this on LinkedIn this morning from uh, seemingly, as always, from around the world. So uh, everybody in, on LinkedIn, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Let us know in the comments where you're joining from um, this morning. It's always good to kind of know where people are kind of getting in from. Um, but on, on that, when you say around coronavirus, and then, I mean, how is it affecting you guys at Starling? Because, mm. I mean, it, you guys have been sort of born into the digital age. So I imagine a lot less impactful for you than it has been some of the really big traditional organizations. But how has it affected uh, you guys at Starling? Uh, well, we took it very seriously and tried to get as many people as home as quickly as possible. Uh, we now have three offices in London, Southampton and Cardiff. Um, and we are now working from home, apart from a handful of people that go into the London office to check things. So we are, we are working remotely and it's very successful. Um, looking back to my sort of previous life with lots of big banks, I don't know whether we would have been able to achieve that. Um, we operate in the cloud. Mm. Uh, everybody's very um, technology literate. Uh, we're good at working from home. We're good at, um, at using all the technology at our disposal and things are pretty well organized. We have a whole period of doing things to communicate with, with our staff. For example, um, I talk to all 900 people um, three times a week um, on something called Askan, uh, where we communicate with everybody and people can ask questions live. Um, we also have a series of programs such as um, Never Home Alone, where, is that, where we actually have a program where we help people with their their, their mental health, their sort of nutrition, their physical health. And we have lots of speakers that talk to people um, about how we can survive in this very different environment. I mean, that's awesome. It's, um, as you say, when uh, organisations get so big, I mean, you've, uh, like I say, you, you've seen both sides of this fence, right? You know, you've seen very large banks, um, but also transitioning that into what didn't work in that scenario from a startup yeah. perspective. So, you know, scaling that vibe of there being, you know, a small number of you around a table to now, like you say, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people, keeping that connectivity with the CEO is, is so important, isn't it? So, I mean, yeah. that, that must take a lot of your, your time, right, in terms of uh, driving cultural initiatives. Yeah, I, I think that what I'm finding about sort of this crisis and communicating this sort of way has actually brought the organization back together again, to be honest, because, um, you know, we, we talk much more. It's very easy um, to get on these new tools and have very effective communication. Um, it's, yeah. it's very, it's, it's communicating in a different sort of way. Okay. Um, mm. When you actually face to face with somebody, 
and you can have that two-way conversation in this sort of way. Um, it's actually reminiscent of what it was like when we were 100 people or 50 people. Um, this is working for us. Um, the question is, can we make it the same sort of vibe when we're 2,000 people? Yeah. I mean, I, I've said the exact same thing to everybody at 11FS. It feels, it feels like the early days. It yeah. feels like there's an amazing amount of focus because essentially the objectives are very clear. Um, and actually, like you say, with, with regards to everybody being distributed and using, you know, Zoom or Hangouts or whatever, you're sort of seeing everybody all of the time. So it, it does feel oddly focusing this period, which um, I yeah. always enjoy. Sterling's very good at this. Um, we've found um, a way of working which is very successful for us. Mm. Um, so, you know, a lot of the things we're going to use in this in this period, we're going to continue to use. I can't see why not. It is yeah. working for we're That's very, great. very uh, productive in this environment. We're doing lots of software releases, um, more than we've ever done. Um, and all our engineers are fully engaged in getting this um, this big workload done because we have been very, very ambitious and then deliver a lot in the next year. Yeah. Well, what about customers? Because obviously, um, you know, it's uh, you guys kind of keeping the wheel turning uh, is is one thing. Obviously, from a customer perspective, um, the needs of the nation is sort of quite dramatically changing, both from a, an individual and from an SME perspective. So, I mean, I, I sort of joke with you, line before we started this. I think we could probably do a three-hour special just on the uh, the things you've released over the last couple of weeks. But um, yeah. talk us through a, a few of the the things that you've kind of done over the last mm. couple of weeks. Yeah, I think that we need to actually listen to what customers are asking for in this crisis. Um, you know, we noticed a lot of changes in people's behavior. You know, obviously they weren't spending, they weren't going on their holidays, um, they weren't doing the international travel, um, they were shopping online and the spending on, on Amazon has gone through the roof. <laughs> um, so people are actually, as behaviors changing. And now when we have the lockdown, um, there are people, our customers, who needed some way of um, of getting of giving um, a, a card or some sort of way of paying to people who are doing their shopping? Um, so we brought out the connected card, uh, and the connected card was launched last week. And basically, you can go into your app and you can order an additional card with an additional PIN. Um, and when it arrives, you can give it to um, um, the person that's doing your shopping for you. They can go around and they can spend on the card in uh, for groceries and. Uh, and on certain shops, they can't go off and do, you know, spending on a online or whatever. And you can actually top up and control how much spending you've given to that individual person. Um, it's capped at two hundred pounds. You can't put more than two hundred pounds in that savings pot. But it's been really, really sort of useful um, mm. to those people who have um, who have a need to finance somebody else is doing their day-to-day -day shopping for them um, we've had a big weekend um, we've been watching how people have been using it um, so they've been out there on the grocery shopping um, we've also had one or two people in the fintech industry ordering it for their um, their children yeah. um, <laughs> that wasn't the intention um, but we have had a great uptake and I think it's doing the trick yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Controlling spending to any other third party. You know, it's the equivalent of, you know, back in the day, somebody giving you their current account to get some some money out of the cash point, isn't it? But without all of the controls for those things, then actually that can get and really, really quick. And you can see uh, I mean, that for lots of different types, can't you? The nanny or the, you know, the the childminder yeah. of any description or, you know, like it, the, the use case runs and runs. But I mean, 
this is, a, again, a very elegant customer uh, result. But the complexity on the technology on the back end of this to allow sub-accounts and, you know, provisioning of other accounts, virtual or real with plastic, I mean, that's a big undertaking. And so, I mean, I, I know we've talked about this before is um, anything you can do, banks copy you two years from now. But this one, I think it will take them a lot longer to be able to uh, replicate this, don't you think? Yeah, I think that we launched it from ten in 10 days from realizing there was a need in launching it. Uh, but it does actually sit along um, on technology that we've been building for, for many, many years. Um, yeah. You know, must be about 18 months ago, um, we did a lot of uh, re-engineering of our systems to allow multi-everything, you know, multi-individual, multi-currency, multi-card. Mm. Um, and that multi-multi capability is what we've used here to, to, um, to release this new functionality. Um, but we've had some, you know, sort of sort of DMs from some of our customers over the weekend that saying, yep, yes, um, you know, Joe's doing my shopping at the moment and I can see he's just been to Sainsbury's and I'm expecting him back in 10 minutes. So, yeah, we're very, very pleased to be able to do that so quickly. That's great. I mean, there's a lot of people in the comments who are definitely saying uh, it's it's being used for their kids right now, for sure. So uh, I think uh, accidental use cases in terms of what people kind of use these things for. Um, I'm just going to jump into a couple of the questions on the comments, actually. So yeah. there's uh, uh, Amory Nadim, who said, huge fan of styling, particularly on a unique vertical card design. Uh, most people who work in banks, card design is a huge part of marketing. How did you guys come up with the vertical cards? Because, um, I mean, it's amazing these things that have such a big impact. But card design and color of cards is is a real cut through, isn't it, right now? Um, deciding to change the color of the card and put it vertical, um, you know, the, the portrait um, card was a huge, huge decision. We're so, so pleased about it because we've had, uh, when we launched it, we had a huge amount of um, positive press from all around the world. Um, but making the decision was a um, so, so difficult decision. I remember one day when we had to decide that this was going to be this was going to be the day when we were going to make the decision to order all those cards in teal and it was going to be portrait. Um, I decided to ask opinion of I was sitting in a meeting room um, on the third floor in in 2FA and, and I went out to the meeting room and I gathered the whole organization together and there must have been about 200 of us. Um, and I've never told this story before, actually, but I got about 200 people together. Um, and it could have been about more than that, actually. And said, look, this is what we're thinking of doing. This and held the card up. Now, the ones that like it, can you go to the left-hand side of the office? The ones that don't like it, go to the right-hand side of the office. The ones that are unde undecided, stay in the middle. Uh, and that's how we decided. Um, an old-fashioned Oxford debate. That's nice. I like it. Yeah, it was. It, was, it has to. It, it was a big decision for us, mm. um, and it was a great decision, the best decision we've made. Um, but you know, it, it we had to take the opinion of the people who represent our customers and our our employees, our staff, have mm. their finger on the pulse and really understand how this work, business works. Yeah, uh, lots of comments in the uh, in LinkedIn here saying um, ten days. Wow, traditional banks would still be trying to arrange the kickoff meeting. Well done, Anne. Um, which is pretty true, isn't it? I think it's uh, it's interesting to sort of say what happens when technology actually becomes your strategic advantage. What do you do? I'm probably not trying to organise a kickoff meeting. Probably still trying to organise who is going to be on the uh, the kickoff meeting. <laughs> 
yeah, definitely. I've both, I've both been in those meetings and tried to organise them for sure. Um, so I, I guess back, back to your um, back to your customers. Uh, what, what are you sort of seeing in the, the sort of difference in the way in which people are sort of behaving in this period? Because uh, I mean, traditionally fintechs, I guess, have been you know aiming at. I'd say most of them. I think you're you're quite different on this. I think you aim outside of the M25, don't you, rather than just sort of inside it. But um, but actually, I mean, are you seeing differences in behaviour? And I guess are you seeing difference in applications of customers? Because you know, digital bank is the only bank now, given they're all closed everywhere else. So, I mean, are you seeing difference in demographics of customers coming through? Um. I think our customers have always been a bit different from the other near banks. Uh, we've mm. always had a, um, a slightly older customer, slightly more customers outside London. Uh, we have had, um, we are still growing very fast. We are growing our customer numbers in business, are growing extremely fast. Um, and it's, it's the customers we're taking on now aren't really any different from the customers that normally sign up for Starling. Um, we tend to have people who use their their account much more as a primary account. Uh, we have people who tend to use the account not just for um, you know Costa coffees, but but for the Sainsbury shop. Mm-hmm. Um, so we see more of the same. Of course, they're not going on the holidays, um, and you know, and and they're not going on the business trips, yeah. um, uh, and that sort of business has dropped off. Um, but we are quite strong at the moment. Um, you know, we are not furloughing in any staff. Um, we are hiring more engineers. Um, and if anything, we'll have more people in- employed at Starling at the end of this crisis than at the beginning. Um, so it is it is really, really hard for business out there at present, but we are doing really well. Well, that's, that's great. I mean, and, and for everybody working at Starling, that's a, a really good sign uh, you know, well-funded organization moving forward, hitting KPIs. Um, I mean, I think on the uh, the work side of things that you're doing right now, I mean, you're you're sort of hitting it on all fronts, aren't you, really? You're on the retail yeah. side of things. On, do you want to talk a little bit about the SME side as well? Because yeah. obviously, um, I, think, I think you played, when we sort of look back on this in sort of 30 years' time, I think your your playbook with the BCR was almost perfection i'd say in terms of timing and launches and everything that went through so do you want to talk a little bit about what you're doing with the sme side as well yeah um well we launched um an sme account a couple of years ago um and of course an sme account needs all the things of a retail account you build on the sme account um so the sme account initially um uh, had you know the basic features but now we we have with the help of the um bcr um, funding, which is a hundred million, and I don't know if you know the background to that, but um, as a result of the last financial crisis, um, RBS was told to divest branches. Um, it couldn't do that, um, so it made agreement with the um, HM Treasury and the EU to put seven hundred and twenty-five million into a fund to be given out to competitors to to RBS. Um, and we were fortunate enough to be awarded 100 million from that fund. And that 100 million is going towards marketing and building um, software um, to build the best SME bank in the world. Um, and we have a, a whole program over four years um, to spend that money on building technology and marketing. And um, one of the features that we've built is, um, um, is our um, 
check scanning capability. Yeah. Um, and we recently launched that to our retail customers as well. Um, and that's really helping our customers um, to um, deposit checks um, in this particular crisis. But as far as the SME business is concerned, um, we ori originally were planning on, say, tens of customers a day. And now there's hundreds and hundreds, 500 customers a day, plus um, signing up to our business account. Well, that's that's amazing. I mean, I think the calls for when you had a just a retail account, the calls for SME accounts was was pretty huge, wasn't it, in terms of, yeah. uh, you know, forums and, and inbound. So, I mean, how have you seen um, sort of serving SME customers, I guess, particularly through this this period? Because, I mean, another one of the announcements over the last couple of days, um, you're yeah. all now able to distribute the from a lending perspective during this period. Right. So how, how yeah. did that sort of come about? And I mean, again, in terms of serving and helping your customers, the big step towards continually being there for them, isn't it? Mm, yeah. Well, um, the government launched the coronavirus business interruption loan scheme um, a couple of weeks ago. And that scheme is to lend to those businesses that are that are um, impacted by the current crisis. Um, and there was a number of banks that were already accredited and we weren't accredited. Um, and therefore, our customers were initially at a disadvantage. Uh, so we mm. decided to work night and day on an application to get that accreditation as soon as possible. And we were um, announced on Saturday um, uh, that we're now accredited member of that scheme. So that is really us, you know, realizing that we have to be there for our customers. Um, so our customers will have to apply mm. to us um, for um, these government assisted uh, guaranteed loans. So that's one of the things we have to do to help our customers. Um, but, you know, what we have in our SME offering um, is quite a deep proposition. We put a lot of effort into our onboarding processes for quite complex businesses. Um, so we're open for business. Mm. A lot of our competitors are not taking new accounts at the moment, but our customers, prospective customers, can get a business account or a retail account very quickly today. Well, and that, and like you say, that's a pretty amazing thing in a now fully digital world, given people cannot leave their houses, then, uh, you know, actually everything that's going on with the, uh, you know, the SME base, getting that level of support is is really, really huge. I mean, are you seeing a, an increased number of applications since Saturday? Because if I was a, if I was a betting man right now, I'd say uh, if I was an SME and I was looking for an account, would I apply to HSBC or would I apply to Starling and with a view of, of I'd apply with you guys because I'd probably have the, the, the cards turning up tomorrow probably. Um, so it feels like actually that again is a, a huge opportunity to steal a chunk of the market share because essentially new businesses looking for people who will support them are going to increasingly move to people like you rather than the, the big ones, right? No, I think that, you know, we have to be careful. We shouldn't use the opportunity we have now in that we are open and others are not in order to uh, take advantage of it. And we'll never do that. Hmm. Um, but we have a situation where we've had lots of approaches over the weekend, people asking us, um, oh, you know, sort of a wonderful opportunity, but I bet it takes weeks and weeks to get an account. And when I go back and say, no, you can have it in the next hour, they are a bit surprised. Um, but, you know, that's how it works. <laughs> World has moved on. Um, technology has moved on. The way people do business moves on. Um, and, you know, Starling is out there giving you a whole new experience in, in, in your day-to-day -day banking and your SME banking. 
No, that's uh, again, it's awesome. I mean, the, the thing I, I want to sort of touch on as well, Anne, is like, um, I think for your um, for your uh, internal, like the way you set yourself up is a great sort of um, success in terms of culture and change that you're doing for customers is huge. But maybe just sort of touching on on you for a second, because I mean, I chatted to you uh, about this just before we sort of went live, and. I mean, I uh, I sort of pride myself on on sort of working harder than anybody else around me. But I think even I'd have to concede to you, if I'm honest with you, because I think your um, your work ethic is probably sort of second to none. I think in terms of your focus on achieving the things, I mean, how do you stay so focused during? I mean, during this time, but any time. I think I've always been. Um, I've always had a job I love. Um, I think that it's great to do a job that really matters. And um, I think focus comes from doing something that has meaning. Um, when mm. I quit my job with the old banks to start Starling, it was because I thought we were doing a bad job and we could do a better job. Um, uh, it was a huge risk. It was a personal risk to my reputation. Um, but I really wanted to have a go and see if I could do things differently. Um, and that gave me the focus. And the focus we all have at Starling now is that. We have, you know, we have over a million customers that really need our support in these in these very, very difficult times. We have 100,000 or more um, SME customers. And SMEs, small businesses, are going through a hell of a time at present. We have to mm. figure out how we're going to respond to the problem. Focus is easy when you have something meaningful to do. And I'm so fortunate that I have something meaningful to do. And I'm surrounded by people who join Starling they also have the same sort of values and they believe that technology uh, and focus and really thinking through difficult problems um, gives you something that's very different uh, and it's a job mm. that's really worthwhile doing. I think there's definitely something in that I think when you um, when you believe in the thing you're doing it stops feeling like work at that stage doesn't it and uh, and that is a uh, I mean, I think you're very fortunate, uh, as am I, to be in that situation because there. Are, I guess there are a lot of people, and actually, that that focus is very different, isn't it? I mean, when I was back in uh, big bank land, the focus is different, isn't it? The focus is on can you get that meeting in the next ten weeks to kick off this project, or can I get the momentum in something to to sort of make something happen? Um, Whereas actually, when you're in charge of the destiny of the thing you're doing, 100% of your focus is, is utilised on making it happen. Um, that's where I, I, think, um, I think your background particularly is, is really important because I think if you achieved what you did in the organisations you were before, using 20% of doing and 80% of trying to make it happen, now you're 100% making it happen. And that goes in the fact that you go from... A good life with millions of people in, in, in week. Yeah, but I think the important thing is that majority of people working organizations where they're not the founder, they're not the founding team, and they're not part of the executive. The majority of people work in mm. organizations where they're part of the the, the machine. Um, and for most yeah. of my career, I was part of the machine rather than the founder. And even in those cases, I felt that it was important to do something that you really believed in. Um, and I think the majority of people at Starling, we have 900 people, feel passionate about what we're doing, feel as if we are doing it for the right reasons. Um, and that's why they chose Starling. Um, they didn't want an ordinary job. 
they wanted a job that actually meant something. And um, Starling is so successful now because of the people we employ. Um, and these yeah. people um, up and down the country now um, go the extra mile for customers all the time. Um, you know, mm. the first thing I do when I wake up is to go on Slack and see, you know, all the various customer conversations that are going on through the night. And some of those conversations are painful. We have vulnerable mm. customers, we have customers who are in financial difficulty, and we have people who are, you know, are on chats or on the line to these customers um, and helping them and listening. And, you know, that means that, you know, banking is more than being a shopkeeper. You know, we are, you know, we have a responsibility and we take that responsibility very seriously at Starling. And that, and that, I think, is key, isn't it? It isn't um, the banks right now. This isn't about giving people the product. This is about the, the service that you provide day in, day out. And like you say, that is supporting some of the most vulnerable people, isn't it? I mean, one question that's sort of come through uh, quite a few times now, so I'm going to ask it on, on LinkedIn is, I mean, how, how do you guys see the role in um, helping support non-digital customers? Because increasingly, I guess, in this period with everything that's happened with Corona, um, the most vulnerable are isolated, aren't they? Uh, I mean, my, my mum's, um, you know, really unwell. She's very, very isolated now. She can't leave the house for the next, I don't know, two, three months or whatever. Um, how do you see um, educating sort of more vulnerable people on digital becoming more and more of a uh, ask for you guys? Because uh, there's a lot of people there with probably a lot of funds. And that seems like quite a big opportunity from a, um, a customer base side of things. Yeah, I think we have to be very pragmatic. Um in that we know what we're good at is Starling, um, and we're good at giving um, technology-enabled apps, which are very easy to use, to the people who who um, sort of live in this world of, of lots of technology and lots of devices. Um, I think it'd be very arrogant for us to think that we can take on the job of educating a whole host of people who don't inhabit this world. I think we can give the tools to the people um, who use our product to help other people. Um, uh, but I wouldn't be arrogant enough to say that we can solve all world problems. And I think that is a really, really tough one. But, you know, let's just be careful about how wide a range of, of people are using Starling. We have customers in the 90s. Um, and just because you're in your 70s, 80s, 90s doesn't mean you're not tech literate. Um, and lots of people now are using all that new technology and we see that lots of people will start having lots of devices in their home to communicate with their relatives in this lockdown period and um, perhaps some of those people will start using Starling as well. Very good and well I mean as I said earlier on I think um, I think me and you could have talked for three hours so we'll over this lockdown we'll probably have to get you back and uh, answer some more of these questions. Um, I think um, what I would say, Anne, is go and have a look at the comments. There is so much love for what you guys are, are doing. There's some really good questions that we haven't had the time to uh, quite to get to. So I'd encourage you to go and uh, see if you can answer a few of those. Um, but it's coming to the top of the hour, and I'm sure you've got uh, something to go and uh, go and do from nine o'clock. So I really should kind of let you go. And thank you very much for joining me. Um, where can people find out more about you and uh, more about what Starling's up to next? Yeah. Um, well, Starling Bank. Um, look at our website, starlingbank.com. Um, please follow our blogs um, and we're out there um, trying to understand what people want in this period of 
extreme crisis. So give us your ideas and thank you very much for having me, David. Have a nice day. No problem at all. Yeah, thank you again for joining me, Anne. Really great to chat to you. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye.